Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop psych dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Emerald Couch. This is your host Dr. Lakeitha Poole. As always thank you so much for tuning in again for another week. I appreciate all of you. Um, I love getting your feedback and uh, we're going to keep rocking and rolling hopefully with more fun topics to come. If you haven't already make sure that you have subscribed and also followed us on social media And make sure you check out our website, particularly if you're interested in submitting questions for the Ask Dr. LP section. Um, And that is www.smalltalkcounseling.com. And make sure that if you do listen to us um, through iTunes or SoundCloud that you um, rate us so that we can start to share the Emerald Couch with more and more folks and expand our audience. So as always, thank you guys again. We're going to jump right into episode 14. So I'm super excited that we have made it to this point. Um, We are continuing our discussion to highlight um, and recognize Minority Mental Health Month for July. And so this month's topic um, is pretty much just a toast to mental and emotional health. And so one of the ways culturally that Anytime we're celebrating something or we want to express good health or blessings or good cheer um, in Latino culture, the phrase salud is used. Um, So often you might hear people say this when someone sneezes or um, at a formal celebration um, just around excitement. And so um, I want those of you all who are tuning in, especially folks who maybe are still um, considering seeking mental health services, trying to figure out more about it, particularly if you belong to a community of color, um, this month is for you. This is to be able to just talk through topics that don't always come up or are not always easy to talk about. And so um, we want to send a big cheers, a big salute to um, thinking about mental and emotional health in a positive way. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. So what we've been seeing, if you are on any form of social media, you've probably seen efforts um, all over the place. So at the federal, state, local, tribal, territorial levels um, of folks trying to help raise awareness about mental illness 
and its effects specifically on racial and ethnic minority populations. So of course, we're not going to be any different here on the Emerald Couch, and we've been talking about this all month long, um, but I definitely felt like we needed a specific episode to discuss this topic in more detail, offer some form of support, and then of course, just talk about this in a way that we can relate to our everyday lives. So while this topic continues to be um, destigmatize or it's working, we're working to destigmatize it. Uh, what we know for sure is that despite advances in health equality, health equity, um, disparities in mental health still persist. Uh, we have not reached a point yet where mental health care is just accessible and available to all without any barriers in place. Um, one of the ways in which I think people should consider this is just taking some of the stats. You know, I, I always like to give you all hard numbers so that you have something to compare to um, your personal experiences or experiences of those that you know. So according to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, which is also known as SAMHSA, um, over 70% of Black or African American adolescents with a major depressive episode did not receive treatment for their condition. 70%. That's a lot of adolescents, um, particularly knowing some of the challenges that they have today that are very different um, than what I can remember when I was an adolescent. And also um, the level of access that they have to information, while that has increased, um, it's not necessarily utilized in the way that we maybe would hope in as far as seeking services and being able to find support. Almost 25% of adolescents with a major depressive episode in the last year alone were Hispanic or Latino. Um, I think we can think about kind of some of the bigger things of what's happening in our larger society, specifically around our Latino and Latina brothers and sisters who are facing um, a lot of chastisement, a lot of isolation, um, stigmatization in the U.S. for sure. And so you can only imagine what that does when you find yourself in a scenario where you're being separated from your families or, um, you know, being held almost in a prison as if you've committed a crime. Um, that obviously would lead to some sort of mental and emotional turmoil um, that maybe you've never faced before and have to think through of how to resolve. Um, Asian American adults were less likely to use mental health services than any other racial and ethnic group. So this is something I think we've talked about before, just when we talk specifically around um, certain populations. Culturally, um, it's not common to go and sit in front of a stranger and talk about issues or concerns. And this is really for most ethnic minority groups, but specifically in Asian American populations, um, it's seen as a sign of weakness if you are having to seek out support, particularly from someone who is not from the same background as you, doesn't know your family history. Um, it's just definitely frowned upon. However, we're seeing changes with that among certain populations. And so the hope was that that would continue. In the past year, nearly one in 10 American Indian or Alaskan Native young adults have had serious thoughts of suicide. So again, we're seeing this trend across the board among young adults, particularly adolescents as well. Um, but definitely recognizing that this particular population has also faced a lot of stigmatization to the point where seeking out resources or trusting in the health profession or field is just not an option. Um, and so recognizing that when you have 
an issue within your culture, it's not seen as normal to seek out support in that way, which includes therapeutic services versus maybe something more spiritually based um, than what we might see outside of Native American culture. And then lastly, in the past year, one in seven Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander adults have had a diagnosable mental illness. So again, another population that often gets overlooked because um, it doesn't fall in the majority, it's often lumped into sort of other populations that really don't identify in the same way, and once again, gets sort of left out of the conversations around mental health, around well-being, um, and just really doesn't offer the proper resources that are needed. So the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, AHRQ, reports that racial and ethnic minority groups in the U.S. are less likely to have access to mental health services. They are less likely to use community mental health services. They're more likely to use emergency departments and more likely to receive lower quality care. So when you think about that sort of combination, it almost leaves someone with no options to be able to figure out where they should go if they are interested in being able to talk with someone or if they're just curious and want to know more about the process of even seeking mental health services. Um, I think a lot of times poor mental health care access and quality contribute to poorer mental health outcomes. And so, of course, if you don't have access to something or you're in an area where there just are no resources, obviously you have a higher chance of your mental or emotional issue growing, enlarging and be definitely becoming becoming more problematic which obviously includes some of the more serious things that we think about leading to things like suicide, um, alcoholism, substance abuse problems, specifically among racial and ethnic minority populations. So I think something that we have to really consider is, you know, I, I know and this applies to me too, like truly consider how many of us are more likely to just swing through an urgent care or an emergency room for physical treatment? So like I said, I'm guilty of that. I'm definitely the person that um, instead of just calling my primary care physician and making an appointment, which might be for another like two, three days sometimes, um, I'll just say, oh, I'll wake up that morning. No, I don't feel that great. I would still probably go to work and then maybe on lunch break go to urgent care. Um and a lot of times, you know, we don't choose to schedule that appointment with our primary care physician, even though they have our health records, they know kind of your most recent medical conditions and all those things. Um, but I think what's most appealing about the ER urgent care is that you can kind of wait and go on your own terms. You can just walk in. You don't have to take off from work or sort of schedule an appointment. And so when we start to think about systemic dynamics around some of those things I just mentioned, a lot of times for certain populations, you can't afford to take off from work. And so you have to be able to go somewhere where you know you could walk in, get treatment, get a quick diagnosis and be back out of there so that you can get back to work. Um, the same thing, even though we have tons of uh, more resources than in the past around insurance. Um, a lot of times you have to go to a particular hospital, you have to have a particular primary care physician based on your insurance claims. Um, and you may either end up with a very large bill or you know may not be able to seek treatment at a certain place or with a certain doctor because of the coverage that you have. So you don't really just have to um, you really don't have the privilege of 
going out on a whim and just kind of doing whatever you feel as far as like seeking health when you want to and just walking out with a prescription and hoping that things are okay. And so we've talked briefly on the show about socioeconomic disparities and poverty, but I would imagine that those considerations, you know, do play a major part in the decision of underrepresented and marginalized groups to seek both physical help, but also the emotional support that's needed as well. So this month, um, to help address this issue, this year in particular, Mental Health America, so MHA, is focusing on expanding the view of how we both misunderstand mental health among underserved communities and signs of distress that are often overlooked due to just a lack of cultural competence, which I know we've talked about on this show before. Um, So many people are often quick to say, And again, I think people in my family are guilty of this and people that I know, friends, uh, co-workers is, you know, well, people don't talk about this stuff. That's kind of like the way to dismiss it and just kind of know that, you know, we don't know much about it and it's probably safer that way is kind of what that usually means to me. However, we believe and we actually know that people do talk about these issues. I don't think we would have a minority mental health awareness month if people weren't. But I think the way in which people express um, their distress or, or talk about these um, concerns are different. Um, even among the same cultural groups or within groups, you might find different ways of people talking about mental health, mental health awareness, mental illness. Um, so there are phrases and expressions that people use to talk about these issues. Oftentimes, they never veer towards the terms mental health or mental illness specifically and that's why I think oftentimes we think we don't discuss this or we don't talk about this at all um I know I'm from a city where we make up all kinds of words and so recognizing that same thing you know overlaps and bleeds into all of our sort of everyday life discussions which includes mental health so some of the things that you might hear peers saying, you might hear family members saying, you might have even said this yourself. Um, And these are known as idioms of distress. And again, this is from Mental Health America's site. Um, Saying something like, I'm not right, something's off, could be a way that they express that. Or you might ask somebody how they're doing. And, you know, instead of just a fine, they might say, I'm surviving, which is, you know, taking a little bit more effort to kind of say, I'm hanging in there, but things are not perfect. So that, again, maybe a warning sign or at least gives you as the listener um, a hint that maybe you should ask some follow-up questions. Another might be, um, I'm having an attack of the nerves or my nerves are bad. I know that's a phrase that I say a lot um, and don't necessarily mean it always in a mental health or a distressful way, but that usually means there is something stressing me or there is something that Um, has caused me to reach a point of frustration. And so, of course, if you hear peers or people saying this, it's still something to follow up on. Um, A lot of times people, again, may ask, you know, how you've been doing? And someone may say, I've just been really in my feelings. I think that's more of a millennial term when you think about that. Um, And we're not talking about the Drake song, which, you know, I think is popular right now. But um, and maybe we are, if you, if you really think about it. I mean, I think that song in particular talks about the fact that uh, this person or multiple people are on his mind and really trying to determine, like, 
Are you here to ride for me? Are you really, really, really down for me? And so the stress that comes with when you think about relationships or you think about loyalty, which we talked about last week, um, it really might put you in your feelings. And without something uh, coming in to sort of check that or check in on that, um, that can develop into something more serious. So I guess, thanks, Drake. Um, Or like, you know, you might hear folks from older generations say, man, I just have the blues or I'm really down. Um, So again, another way without saying exactly what's happening with them, but letting you know um, they're just not feeling like themselves. And so again, I agree that I do think people talk about these issues in a much, um, much better way than probably we have in the past before. But now because of just lingo and technological advancements, uh, we just have different ways of saying these or spreading the message. And so um, another thing that Mental Health America has done this month is through their efforts and really all year long, they aim to shed light on a multitude of mental health experiences within these communities of color. Um, and so what they're, they've done this year is the My Story, My Way campaign for 2018. And so that allows them to kind of focus and highlight um, and validate the voices and experiences of individuals from across a wide range of communities to sort of help bring a deeper awareness to mental and emotional health among communities of color. Um, And I'm super happy to see this as a mental health professional because I think everybody's story about mental health, either how they decided to seek services, how someone like me maybe got into the field, um, how you offer support and balance between the folks that are in your life who might need support. Um, everyone's story is different. And so being able to use the hashtag my story, my way lets people see a multitude um, of ways in which mental health and mental health awareness um, is manifested. And I just think that's pretty awesome because there's not a lot of folks that are willing to do that, particularly for people of color um, in this day and age to recognize that there are definitely unique stressors that come with being a person of color or being someone in a marginalized group in general and being able to sort of highlight that and really validate the voices of those populations, I just think is magnificent. So if you haven't already, make sure that you have checked out Mental Health America's website and also SAMHSA, um, which I mentioned earlier, gives a lot of tips and tools around mental health and how if you're somebody who wants to know how you can do more to help others around you, great resources, things you can print out, things you can post just to give you a chance. And if you're interested, definitely post your story on the My Story My Way campaign through social media and tag us in it at Go Small Talk Counseling on Facebook or on Instagram. And we may feature you on our social media because I think it's just a great way to be able to spread a positive message around mental health so that those folks who are still on the fence, who still have questions or who maybe have had bad experiences with seeking mental health services can have that corrective and positive experience um, and just know more about what is really out there and what it really means to get the support that you need. So before we close this segment, I do want to challenge everybody listening to think about the ways in which you discuss your own feelings, your emotions, your stress. Um, And I always kind of leave you all with some questions to think about. Um, And so I have a few as always. I really want you all to think about how do you and your family or even your peers talk about mental health? 
Um, you know, is it always kind of in a joking way? A lot of times people will be like, oh, they're crazy or, you know, oh, you know, they're 5150. If you're from Louisiana, you know what that means. Um, just being able to realize that, like, there are so many um, ways in which the message that we have a lot of power over gets put out there and it gets warped into something very negative or something not to be taken seriously. And so if you're one of those folks that often brushes it off or talks about it in a way that's just not very positive, um, definitely start to pay attention to the language that you use and then how that might affect the people that you find in your circle being able to talk about that as well. Um, what are the terms being used by individuals in your own communities to shed light on what someone might be feeling? So I think I've talked about um, in certain cultures around uh, spirituality or within the church, cultural communities of the church, um, you often see a lot of stigmatization around mental health and sort of this idea that you can either, you know, be a person of faith and trust God that things will get better or you can totally say that you're basically not trusting him and seek mental health and I think like I've shared on the show before I just don't think you should have to choose you don't have to choose um, and so it's this idea of like really starting to pay attention to the spaces that you occupy um, what do you really kind of hear happening in those spaces and what do you find the message is that's being spread in order to try to change maybe what's being distributed to your larger community through places that they trust, like the church, like the educational system, those sort of things just to really pay attention to. And then lastly, how do you know when you yourself are in stress or facing mental anguish? And so of course we've talked about boundaries and sort of curating wellness on the show in the past. But how would others know to get you that support? So how do you know? And then how would you let other people know that maybe um, things aren't right with you at that moment and that they need to maybe either reach out more, help push you to get some support? What does that look like? So just being able to think ahead a little bit. So as we close, in the spirit of salute, um, I want to propose a toast. So wherever you are, raise your water bottle, your glass of prune juice. If you're in Louisiana, you might have a snowball. Here's to being fearless about seeking mental health support when needed, to erasing stigma in our own circles about defining mental health and shedding labels, and to feeling empowered to speak up on behalf of ourselves and those who can't in an effort to raise the bar on the conversation around mental health and wellness. Again, Happy Minority Mental Health Awareness Month and salute. And we'll be right back after a quick break. Folks, we're back from our break and we are going to kick off our signature segments. First up is our pop psych moment of the week and our small talk bookshelf. So every now and then I think I've combined these. This might be maybe only the second or third time, um, but I just feel like they're super connected, um, which maybe shows that a lot of times within our world and in society today, 
Um, pop culture bleeds a lot into how we're able to gain information and um, stay knowledgeable about things that are going on. So I want to talk a little bit, just very briefly, about the very popular show on OWN called Love Is. Um, I am obsessed with this show, and I think we might only be like four or five episodes in to this new season but I love it because it's authentic it's real it's based on a true story so just to kind of I promise I won't spoil um for folks who like haven't seen it but it's the story of two very different individuals a woman named Nuri and a man named Yasir they meet they fall in love and life circumstances um obviously come in and attempt to pull them apart at every turn And so, of course, every week the story gets more complex. Um, What often stands out most is how both of the characters really, for me, what stands out is they utilize their circle. So their friends, their parents, their co-workers um, as support systems, which is interesting because even though they trust them all, and if those of you who watch the show, you guys know who I'm talking about, but those folks are never fully unbiased or non-judgmental. And so now those of you who do watch, you're gonna go back probably and look at that. So all of their friends are like very supportive. They offer them what is considered sound advice, um, but it still comes with a certain level of um, bias because of just their commitment to them through friendship, through being a parent, through being a close friend. Um, and so it's really difficult to sort of separate that and really have an unbiased or non-judgmental approach to offering their friends Nuri and Yasir advice. So in an effort to continue to not drop any spoilers, while in most instances, the people in their circles are giving them this good advice or the best advice that they have, both Nuri and Yasir spend a considerable amount of time overthinking to themselves and actually making a lot of the decisions on a whim. And so they can't blame it all on their friends, maybe not giving them the best advice because even after their friends or parents have offered up some advice, um, they often either take a part of it or don't take it at all or don't um, take maybe what they think is best for them and compare it to what maybe their friend offered. Um, and what's more authentic. And so it's very interesting just to see the twists and turns of the plot. So the show is set in the early 90s when, of course, they're really, I mean, as far as I know, not a ton of discussion around therapy and mental health among communities of color like there are now. And so, of course, because I'm a mental health nerd, imagine what that would be like if there was. I mean, how different would both their specific ways in which they manage stress so just the differences between who they are as people um how that would be and how much further along we would be if this topic you know was brought up more back then um or was something that was seen as more commonplace back when um the heart of music and fashion and all of the things that people often turn to now as a form of support or an outlet um, for them. Imagine if they had therapy to throw in the mix back then and that it was accepted and that um, there was representation of folks who looks like them back then. So again, the nerd in me got excited about the, the thought, but obviously we're well past the 90s. So we have to keep moving forward and talk about this in a way that helps us now. So I definitely just wanted to share that because one, I wanted to help people sort of see 
that within that show and make that connection to pop psychology, but also for those that have never seen it, to offer it as a resource to just help with being able to think about what does it mean to follow your dreams, to think about love and relationships in terms of being fully transparent and authentic and what that looks like. And so just really a thought to help shed light on the benefits of seeking professional therapeutic support while, you know, sharing my thoughts on what I think is one of the best shows out right now, which is both entertaining, but can be utilized as a tool for personal growth as both our pop psych moment of the week and our small talk book show. So again, if you haven't checked it out, comes on weekly on own every Tuesday, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central. Check it out and let me know what you think. So this week, we did not have any Ask Dr. LP questions. So make sure that if there's something that has come up, whether it's from this week's topic or any topic in the past or even a topic we haven't talked about yet, please make sure that you submit them through the website on uh, www.smalltalkcounseling.com and there's an X Dr. LP tab that you can utilize on both the podcast and the blog pages um, where you can submit your questions anonymously if you would like. And so friends, that brings us to the end of this week's show. I want to thank you all again for tuning in for being a loving and dedicated audience. I see our numbers each week going up with more and more people. Our audience is expanding um, to different parts of the country. And I've even seen through SoundCloud some folks who are maybe outside of the country. And I'm assuming those are maybe friends of mine who are travel buffs and you're just listening when you're on the road. But if you are in another country and you're listening to this, thank you. I appreciate it so much. So we're going to keep this discussion for this month going around Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. We still have two weeks to go. So we still have two more episodes where we're going to kind of highlight that topic. And so if you have ideas around that as well, you can feel free to submit those through the Ask Dr. LP section or just through the website in general. And as always, make sure that you continue to like, follow, and subscribe and tune in next week. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time here on the Emerald Couch.